Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec. I am super glad you're here with us today because I am here with most amazing guest, Renny. How you doing? Thank you for yeah. being here today with us. Awesome. Hi. So give everybody the 5,000 foot view of who you are and what exciting projects you're working on right now. Um, sure. Thank you, Michelle. Um, well, hopefully some of your listeners can relate to having some issues around money, profits, and net worth. Um, who has so issues with those? <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're in a business. Those are issues, you're right? human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's true. I, and I found that I, I tend only to work with people who have some reason to handle money. Which, Fair enough. Yeah, probably. Anyway, everybody. <laughs> anyway um, so for the 5,000. 5,000 or was it 50,000 foot view? Well, whatever, Never. I failed high school math. Never mind. Um, what, I, what happened is at age 50, I found myself broke after two divorces and a business failure. And what I learned is what I needed to know from wealthy people. And it was not to focus on paying off debt, but to focus on building my net worth instead. Here, here. And if I would have done what my CPA or other financial gurus told me to do, I'd still be struggling over money and not be a multimillionaire. So I'd still have to work to support myself and wouldn't be able to donate 100% of my business profits to charity. So, wow. So that, that's the view. That is an awesome view. So let's back up this bus a little bit. And how did you get into all of this? I mean, totally appreciate that necessity breeds uh, invention, but give us the story. How'd you get into it? Um, well, uh, I decided early on that I wanted to be wealthy and had no clue. So I decided to be, go in the insurance business. I became a certified financial planner, a chartered life underwriter, got all those designations. And what I learned is how to help other people protect wealth and not how to create it for myself. Ouch. Yeah. And the most embarrassing part is the foundations and how to handle money powerfully are not taught to certified financial planners. It's not taught to CPAs. It's not taught in high school. It's not taught in college. Parents can't teach what they don't know. It's disgusting. Yes. Yes, it is. And so I, I searched and I searched and I searched and I finally found the answers of how to handle money powerfully. So that was step one, learning the foundations. And then step two was, okay, now that I've learned the foundations, how do I create wealth? And that I learned from other wealthy people. And like Tony Robbins says, model what works. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I'm curious, how did you go about finding wealthy people and just going, hey, <laughs> uh, so what do you do? <laughs> uh, um, I, I just, I was lucky enough to uh, be in some courses where I recognized there were other people and based on the way they spoke, they were probably much farther ahead than I was. 
one of them was an attorney CPA who owned some shopping centers and a ranch and things like that. Uh, someone else who was a business coach who was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And this goes back 25, 30 years ago when that was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I just put myself in an environment where I would meet people and I would listen to see, hmm, you know, let me go out to lunch or coffee with this person. Let me pay to pick their brain. Um, I, oh, and one of the other things I, re I recognized, oh, I had a pension administration company and the CPAs who referred clients to me, hmm, most of those clients were wealthy because of real estate. Let me get back in touch with some of those folks. Nice. Love that. So it was about networking. Well, oh. I, I've always been an advocate of garnering information and getting information, but it drives me nuts when people say, what I'm going to say stupid shit is, how do you get rich? Is buy low, sell high. But yeah, no <laughs> shit. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's real good. Yeah, Super useful. Thanks. So valuable. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it's... Gosh, what was it? It's um, uh, Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn has a great quote and he says, uh, your income will be the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. So I decided to spend time with people who are doing far better than me. Nice. That stuff rubs off. <clears throat> Absolutely, it does. That's awesome. So who would you say you serve and support now? Who is who's your ideal client and who comes to you? Um, I work with a lot of people who do similar work to what I was doing. They were business coaches, um, they're authors, they're entrepreneurs, building contractors, uh, primarily people who are business owners. I, mm -hmm. I don't work with employees. That's, that's the best I could say. <laughs> well, and I'm assuming that's because entrepreneurs tend to be a little more um, profit oriented. <laughs> yeah, they have more flexibility. I yeah. mean, you know, an employee's got the income he's got. It's not like I can say, well, let me give you some ideas to triple or 10 times your income. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work for an employee. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As you get a side gig of some sort. But I saw your TED Talk and your TED Talk is fantastic, by the oh, way. I love that you actually give valuable information in the TED Talk, um, which... Sadly, I have a lot of people don't do that. But, and it's not just about buy real estate because obviously, you know, yeah, that works, but buy low, sell high. So how do, you, how do you get people to actually create wealth? Well, the first thing we have to do is support them in recognizing they've been programmed to believe poor people are good people and rich people are not. And so we've got to deal with the kind of myths that they've bought into the the stuff that comes from society, whether it's books or Hollywood movies or uh, TV shows or um, the scripture or even fairy tales. I mean, the, the sad part is, you know, young children before the age of eight do not have the ability to do any critical thinking. Unfortunately, I met a lot of adults who can't. But the <laughs> point is, uh, they could if they wanted to. Children don't even have the ability if they wanted to. I mean, the stuff gets dumped in and they just take it at face value. If a parent says, you'll be nothing but a ditch digger, they could end up believing that. Mm 
-hmm. If a child is told you can do whatever you choose, I don't want to tell, I don't want to ever hear, have you tell me you've got some limitations because that's BS. They'll believe that as well. And so the first thing I have to do is start breaking up the conversations that hold people back. And that comes with bringing up the awareness of how you've been programmed to be poor. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I can't wait until there's some rewriting of fairy tales because it drove me nuts. It was always just marry rich. Girls have no option. You got to marry rich. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> Prince Charming isn't coming. <laughs> you know, I have my I have my knight in shining armor, but he wasn't exactly Prince Charming. So, <laughs> so what would you say are the secrets of the wealthy? Because I always fantasized as a kid. I, I grew up outside of the city and I look in the city and there was always to me, it was, I could see downtown and all the little lights around it. And that was my tiara. And I loved everything about being downtown. And it's like, I hated everything about being where I was. All I wanted to do was be there. And I always wondered, what do rich people talk about at dinner? That's all uh, I ever wanted to, because I knew that there were secrets there. It's like, just let me at the table. <laughs> yes, there are. And, and, I, and I, here's, I came up with a, an acronym to talk about the, the three biggest secrets of the wealthy. And it uh, the acronym is AFI, mm -hmm. which has nothing to do with the American Film Institute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, it, A stands for attitude. Mm -hmm. F stands for forms. And I stands for investments. And obviously there's lots of parts to that but the most important and the biggest issue is the attitude. Like I said, the first thing I've got to deal with is what kind of myths are people buying into that do not support them. And it could be things that their parents told them when they were growing up, roles they took on because that's what their mother or their father did. And so the first thing is to break that up. And then I can get into the tips and techniques. But as an example for an attitude, oh, oh, can I put you on the spot? Yes. Okay, great. Please do. All right. So have you heard of the expression, pay yourself first? Yes, I have. Okay, great. Can you explain it? Um, I'm going to say I can. <laughs> I, better I told you I'd put you on the spot. <laughs> so to me, paying myself first is I get the first check that comes out of the company at, at payday. And okay. I'm the one that gets, that comes to me and I get to spend that how I see fit. So okay, that's My fine. mortgage, my car payments, my whatever's. Okay, so that's not it. Not it. Nope. And nine <laughs> out of 10 people get it wrong. And the saddest part is, this is, this is where I'm getting to the attitude. Mm -hmm. um, a wealthy person will hear familiar information like uh, pay, myself, pay yourself first. And it's different than the way an ordinary person hears it. A person with an ordinary th thought process, hearing familiar information will make a statement like, I've heard that before, mm -hmm. or make up an answer like I'm the first one to get a paycheck, or um, that's not new to me. Well, the statements don't produce any results. What a wealthy person does, they've got a different attitude. When they hear familiar information, they ask questions instead. Questions like, hmm, where might that apply to me? Or where would I put the money? Or how would that work in my situation? Or when will I begin doing that? Or who could support me with that? Mm -hmm. And those answers lead to the results. And so what I'm getting at is the attitude is so important. So 
the expression pay yourself first means you don't you're not the first person to get the paycheck out of your company and then spend it on your mortgage and utilities and groceries. No, you take 10% at least of the money that you're getting and you set it aside to keep for the rest of your life and never spend it. That's the money you use to make investments. That's the money that creates passive income. So you can choose to work instead of having to work. Nice. So uh, now yeah. you've heard the expression, pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. Are you setting aside a percentage that you will never touch except to make investments that will generate an income? Yes. Good. Now, I am also of the um, buy low, sell high thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I seem to be faltering in that whole realm. <laughs> I'm getting much better. And the last five years have gotten much better at it. However, when I first started off, I was horrific at it. It was like, okay, whatever I do, do the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was like I was a poster child for buy high, sell low. It was bad. Well, see, here's <clears throat> the thing. Um, I say wealth creation is a team sport. It's mm -hmm. not a solo sport. And when you're attempting to make the investments that you want to produce results, you don't have to do it by yourself. When I started in real estate investing, I didn't do it by myself. I had my wife as a partner and a realtor as a partner. The three of us went from the first three unit property we purchased together to 50 units we owned and managed in five years. Nice. Why? Because we did it as a team. That is awesome. And it's the same thing if you're building a business, if you want to make other kinds of investments, or even having a good relationship with your significant other. It's a team approach, not a solo approach. Absolutely. I love that. And I, I also made the mistake of bringing in my partners at the time who, who basically knew about as much as I did. I liked them. They were great. They were exactly like me. <laughs> so yeah. That also is a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, you'll find that in most successful businesses, mm -hmm. you've got two divergent personalities. Um, and I'll use, it doesn't matter if I'm using Apple or Elon Musk or Berkshire Hathaway as an example. So I'll use Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. um, you know who that is, right? Oh, I know him personally. Oh, got his cell ooh. phone number. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, shoot. I was going to ask for an introduction. I'd give it to you. Okay. Do you know who Charlie Munger is? I do not. Okay. Charlie Munger happens to be half of Berkshire Hathaway. See, Warren Buffett's a visionary and Charlie mm -hmm. Munger executes on Warren's vision. And you'll find that in Hewlett Packard. You'll find that, like I said, in Apple Computer, uh, Elon Musk's companies, uh, you know, example after example of how it takes two divergent personalities to have a, an enormously successful business, which gets back to uh, business growth is a team sport, not a solo sport. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're a solopreneur, you are not going to create the kind of business you could create if you had a partner who complimented what you're doing. I'd say find an executioner, but that's not really what I mean. <laughs> no, no, no. Execution master, not executioner. Uh, executioner. <laughs> <laughs> right. So going back, so attitude, attitude. Yep, attitude. So forms. forms. 
I mean, you, you've probably filled out a balance sheet before, maybe applying mm -hmm. for a bank loan. Well, wealthy people look at what's on it differently than ordinary people. All they're looking for are what assets will generate an income. And they don't count their house as an asset. They don't count their car as an asset. I mean, Jay Leno can count his cars as assets, but it's a antique car collection. It's different. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So they look at these forms differently. Mm -hmm. um, on an income and expense form or a cash flow form, you know, a lot of people will write down what their paycheck is and then where they're spending it. But a wealthy person has multiple sources of income, even if they have a paycheck. There's royalty income, there's commission income, there's a, there may be a side business. Um, there could be a multi-level networking business or direct marketing. Um, there could be interest, dividends, uh, trust deed payments. I mean, you know, triple net leases. I mean, there's so many other sources of income besides a paycheck. Nice. And I so they do love at, a good dividend, I must say. <laughs> Those are my new favorite friends. So for somebody that is just kind of hearing this all for the first time, would, would you recommend diversifying within their company or would you recommend diversifying outside of the company? What's the first kind of place where you're looking for multiple sources of income? Um, I found that it usually starts within someone's business. As an example, let's say they're doing business coaching mm -hmm. and they're talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. A diversification could be doing a group. Diversification could be having a recorded program. It could be writing a book. It could be articles that they sell on Facebook. Um, so I would say for an entrepreneur, it's starting with within their business and then expanding outside. Nice, love that. And I do love it. I wanna get back to touch on this because I think people overshoot or overhear the phrase a revenue generating asset. I love, love, love revenue generating assets. But talk to me more about that. Somebody's going around going, oh my God, I want that TV. Oh my God, I want that car. Oh my God, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. I want. <clears throat> talk to me about this. Um, that has to do with Madison Avenue being your um, not friend, not ally, enemy. Madison Avenue is your enemy in creating wealth because they'll tell you you need a big screen TV and you really may want it, but you darn well don't need it. And it's that kind of stuff or, you know, buy this toothpaste and you'll have women fawning over you or buy this car and uh, men will want to date you or whatever. Madison Avenue has, just wants to take your money and put it in their pocket. It has nothing to do with you growing your own wealth. So um, <laughs> now I'm trying to get back to the question you asked. <laughs> You're like, what? Well, and it, it's so true because it brings us back to that attitude of you've got to be in control of your own thoughts yes. for starters and not thinking that whatever they advertise on television is going to get you the love and happiness and all that kind of crap that you want because it's not. And it's yeah. not that it's crap that you want. It's what you want is not going to be fulfilled through the means that they're telling you that. So you have to start to think for yourself and figure all that yeah. fun stuff out. One, one of the ways I, I do this with people uh, is an exercise to identify their values. 
So if their value is impressing other people more than creating work as a choice, well, then they're going to be spending it on the big screen TV or the fancy car. And so the people I work with generally are those who want to make an impact on other people. They want to donate to charities. They want to have an impact on the planet. And what I say that we do is, is we raise philanthropists. We want people to learn how to handle money powerfully so they can donate to the causes that touch their heart. In the same way, I donate 100% of the profits from the work I do to the charity Shelter to Soldier. I mean, I love dogs. Uh, in our family, between my wife and stepdaughter, we have four rescue dogs and they bring us enormous joy. Well, beyond that, they have a purpose in life and dogs that might otherwise been youth, ha, could, could be euthanized, get rescued by shelter to soldier and trained as service animals for soldiers who've come back with PTSD or traumatic brain injuries that might've otherwise committed suicide. Uh -huh. And not one soldier has committed suicide that's gotten their service dog. And the suicide rate is almost 22 a day. Wow. It's almost one an hour. That is so sad. We're talking about a serious problem. And these are the people that are putting their lives on the line in foreign countries to allow us to do what we do here in the United States. And they come back and they're not getting the kind of support services that allow them to heal and function as quality members of society again. Absolutely. Uh, that is a fantastic cause. And we're going to find out more about it near the end because I know people are going to be interested in, in donating and finding out more about it. <clears throat> Absolutely. And just tying that into the whole revenue generating assets. Um, so when we had a dog, our dog was the director of um, security. So she was a write-off. She was one of our employees and, and totally legit. That, that was our security system. So um, she was a paid member of the family and <clears throat> it's, it's figuring out how to do these things. If you want a big screen TV, get a projector instead and become a speaker and use that projector in doing courses and things. And then it becomes a revenue generating asset. And it's just being able to figure out how to get, how do I get what I want and how do I make money with it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm so glad you brought it up the conversation the way you did, <clears throat> because even at my stage, I have limited thinking. And I look at revenue generating assets as those things I buy that directly send money to me, mm -hmm. like a triple net lease, like an apartment building, like peer to peer lending, like an oil and gas investment. I look at those. That's how I look at revenue generating assets. <laughs> And yours are excellent because you're actually using your business to one, create a tax write-off and two, to create an asset that does generate a revenue and it's for your business. Nice. I like the way you think. We're going to have to pick your brain a little bit more. <laughs> Clearly I'm getting a little used to the, the, the dust that's collecting in mine, but. We'll combine, so, we'll combine our attitudes. There you go. I like that. So when it comes to investing versus debt. I know this is a huge issue that people have is like, okay, well, I could go and invest something. And I think it's a lot easier right now to invest as well than it used to be. Because I remember once upon a time, if you didn't have X amount of dollars and you couldn't invest anything to put, you know, you couldn't put $25 towards something. Now there's 
a plethora of things that you can put 25 bucks towards. But when it comes to investing and or playing off debt, how do you play that game? Um, th that is one of the best questions and it's a real hot button for me. When I was 50 and broke, I had credit card debt. Instead of taking the money I was paying myself first with and paying down debt, I set it aside. And by the way, you can buy, you can invest it with $25 by buying the individual stock of some company that you'd want to own. And that's what I was doing. I was taking $500 a month from what I was earning, which was 10% of 5,000 a month. And I was buying individual stocks. And in three years, I saved up a whopping $18,000. Okay, well, there's not much you can do in buying real estate in Los Angeles with $18,000. But the point is, had I used that $18,000 and paid off my credit card debt, I would not have had it to buy the first three unit property that my wife and the realtor purchased, which means I would have had no debt, but I wouldn't be a multimillionaire. And so my, what I tell people is do not focus on paying off debt, focus on building assets first. And that's the advice. Nice. I love that. Absolutely. And if somebody were to, I love playing this game too. If somebody were looking at um, stocks or real estate or titles, like what, what do you say is their first foray? It, it depends on their attitude. It depends on their personality. Mm -hmm. For me, I have what would my wife calls control issues. <laughs> Nobody around here has any control issues oh, at that's, all. Nice. That's so good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and on that basis, although I was investing in stocks, that's all I could afford. And so that's where the money went. But when I could invest in the real estate, I did that because I'm not Warren Buffett. I mean, if I own some General Motors or General Mills or General Electric stock and I say, oh, you know, the, um, the MRI machine that you manufacture, General Electric, uh, is too noisy. You need to figure out how to quiet it. They'd probably have me silenced instead. Um, the, the point is... I've got no input to any company where I own stock. On the other hand, with the real estate, I choose where I'm buying it, who it, who it gets rented to, if we're gonna remodel it, if we're gonna refinance it, if we're gonna sell it, if we'll do a tax deferred exchange, it meet, meets my control issues. Right. So like depends on someone's personality where they ought to invest. Very cool. So. Give us an idea. Who would you say is, do you serve and support? Who's your ideal client? Uh, business owners who want to make an impact in the world may have some money issues. They're not generating the level of revenue they want. They're not paying themselves first. They wouldn't know where to put the money if they did. Um, they, they're missing the foundations of handling money powerfully. I mean, I was certified as a financial planner, like I said, and didn't have those skills. So that's so the place us, to start. Nice. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories. Oh, okay. Had a building contractor mm -hmm. who uh, was earning a good living and had very little to show for it. And I said, you know what? One of the things you need to do is start paying yourself first. 
And he said, I, I can't, I can't pay myself first. I won't be able to pay my vendors. I won't be able to pay my general, my, the subcontractors or pay for all the material and the office had all the excuses. I said, are you trying to tell me that if you just took 1% from your gross revenue and set it aside, things would fall apart? He said, well, no, I could probably do 1%. Okay. So I talked him into that. Six months later, he'd saved up $50,000. And based on the other things I suggested he do, like, you know, sell this property, do a tax deferred exchange, remodel this property. Why don't you invest in that property? His net worth increased by $600,000 in six months. Nice. And he wasn't making any more money, but he was That's allocating right. it differently. All right. Yeah, but I gotta say he was really coachable. I mean, whatever I told him to do, he just did it. If I said, you need to buy flowers for your wife this week, he went out and bought flowers for his wife. <laughs> nice. If I said, put up this property for sale, he put up that property for sale. That's awesome. So is most of what you do now uh, around real estate or is it around coaching on finances or? It's, it's pretty much in regard to anything regarding money and any struggles people are having. For me personally, it's real estate. I seem to attract people that have an interest in real estate because that's where I made, made millions of dollars. Um, but it doesn't have to be. It could be <laughs> wherever someone else is. Let me give you an example of someone I talked to. He had said, I want to be investing in stocks. Uh, and I think I could get a 10% annual return if I choose the right stocks. I said, okay, yeah. Um, now I know that you're doing some Facebook ads or you're doing some other advertising. Um, what, what's the return you're getting on that? And he says, well, pretty much for every dollar I spend, I'll make two or maybe even $3 in, in uh, revenue or profit. And I said, oh, and how often are you doing that? He said, oh, oh, we, oh, we're advertising monthly. You know, it's continual. I said, oh, so for every dollar you're getting one or 200% per month and you want to invest in something that does 10% a year. Am I hearing this right? Guess what? He's yeah. just putting more money in his own business. Yeah. <laughs> I would take a 200%, not even, if that's daily, <clears throat> I don't even know what that would be. That's what it is. <laughs> <You'll lose>. Yeah. <laughs> if you never did it again, it's still 200%. <laughs> so, wow. I, so when, you know, when you ask me the question, you know, who are the ideal prospects or who you were, it's anybody who's got some issues around money. Well, yeah. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might have right now that they're thinking, oh my God, Renny, I need you so badly? Um, stumbling blocks really have to do with the belief systems that they have, the myths that they buy into, like, <clears throat> I need to pay off my credit card debt before I hire a coach or buy a program. Or uh, once I get this solved, you know, then I'll be ready to go to the next level. It's sort of like telling the doctor, you know, as soon as I am well, I'll come and see you. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But um, I'm not doing any, I got to be honest, I'm not doing any one-on-one -on -one coaching at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I have, <clears throat> excuse me, coaches that I've trained uh, in my methodology who've used it, who've grown from it, who are coaching people who are interested in that level of stuff. And what I'm doing is being more philanthropic, um, doing interviews and providing people recorded programs if that's what they can afford. Nice. And tell me about the programs. What do you got going on? Um, yeah, we've got uh, programs on how to get out of debt, how to build a business, um, how to find your ideal clients. Um, let's see. We've got a nine-step roadmap. I, I'll give you a free resource. We've got a nine-step roadmap that will take someone from wherever they are to a place of complete financial choice. And it's explained in 27 pages. And they can hear my TEDx talk that explains how they were programmed to be poor. And the cure is that nine-step roadmap. Nice. And how did they get that? They can go to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. Nice. Awesome. And they get the nine-page report there. Exactly. The nine-step roadmap and it's 27 pages. Nice. Love that. And They'll see donate buttons all over my website for Shelter to Soldier and anything that they buy, 100% of the profits go to Shelter to Soldier. Well, that is awesome and crazy. How do you give away 100% of your profits? Uh, because I don't have to work for a living because I walk my talk. <laughs> hey, hey. Okay, that is fantastic. That's a, do you know how much you've donated to them today? Uh, yeah, it's been something over a hundred thousand dollars nice yeah that is awesome. and i ha i haven't you know i just i haven't kept track mm -hmm. after i passed that milestone that was my goal mm -hmm. and you know the money still gets to them and you know as long as a dog is saved and a soldier doesn't commit suicide i'm happy nice i love that absolutely so let me ask you this. At what point in your life did you know that you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become a successful entrepreneur? Uh, I don't know that I ever figured that. <laughs> I, I just, I realized it happened, but I don't <laughs> think I ever could look forward and say, I'm going to be a successful business owner. Wow. Yeah. Just. I mean, I, I lucked out. Happened. One of the things I noticed <laughs> after the fact hmm? was that the successful businesses, I had partners and the mediocre businesses, I was in it alone. Sage advice right there. Yeah. That is absolutely. I, I, the, it hurts me that solopreneurs think that they have to go solo. No, oh yeah. It's like, please don't, please don't, please don't, please don't. Because when you can talk to somebody like Rennie and you get, you can see things just out of his experience go, oh, hey, that. And you're like, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? And it comes from his experience and his knowing and his doing. So I'm a huge advocate of always get a coach, get a mentor and get somebody that can take you to where they are. And obviously wealth and uh and net income is totally 100% worth it. That's awesome. Cool. So uh, any final advice or words for our peeps today? Uh, probably the final advice would be twofold. And it's wealth creation is a team sport, not a solo sport. And pay yourself first money you will keep the rest of your life. Love that. Awesome. 
So peeps, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. If you're driving to go and get Renny's information, I'll say it again, it's wealthonanyincome.com slash TEDx and watch this TEDx uh, show because it is fantastic and awesome. Excellent. This is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic that you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.